0: Christian Crumlish, Kim Goodwin, Chris Riston, Susan Weinschenk, Chris Nossel, UX Podcast, and yours truly, what do they all have in common? They all host tracks at the Continuous Learning Program, Ambition and Power, on everything from design research to product management. And now you can win a membership for a full year's access to all of them. Just visit uxpodcast.com forward slash win and fill out the form before October 15th. Best of luck to you.
1: UX Podcast episode 299.
2: Hello, I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axpool. And this is UX Podcast, and we're in Stockholm, Sweden, and you're listening to us all over the world from India to Japan.
0: Richard Brophy is a Sydney-based strategic designer and innovator. He recently gave a talk at UX Australia on
2: the topic of best practice and why we should kill it as an idea. Rich has worked as a researcher, strategist, advertising creative, entrepreneur, service designer and stand-up comedian he leads the practice arm of the government of new south wales digital service toolkit which is an evolving collection of tools and resources to support design and delivery across the sector but
0: rather than call this best practice rich wants us to focus on what he calls effective practice
2: so when when you see the phrase best practice I mean, I, m- memories come flooding back of of all the, all the times over all the years where you you know you sat there and you're facing a, a a new a new challenge, a new design challenge, and and um, you get calls from oh everyone product product owners or management or whatever say oh can't you just can't we just find some best practice and and implement that and you know, generally there's a little there's a little bit inside me sighs and and wonders kind of how much can I be bothered this time to, to fight against it? Or do we just run with the best practice and see what happens? Tell us rich, you know, um, am, am, am I alone in, in having that kind of heartfelt reaction to best practice when I hear it?
1: I think it depends on what kind of mood you're in, whether you want a quick answer and then it's very easy to Google best design practice, best practice design, whatever you want, uh, and shoot it across. But if you're having one of those days where, or weeks, or lifetimes, or careers, where you actually really care about design and the work you do, that it's much harder. I have spent a lot of my career, I call it designing design, where you become the you know most design literate person in the room, and people turn to you and they say, what should we do? How should our organization be designing? Which is a massive question, because uh, one... It's a lot of confidence in your ability and your knowledge but also it really puts to the side the complexity of organizations and the way that people think and behave and interact and i've done a bunch of uh designing of design you know creating innovation programs writing playbooks i first got into design running uh these little innovation sprints and each week we would basically go through the same process which at first, I thought it was best practice. Turns out it was only one version of practice. And it just like uh, design
2: I, sprints, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, or- but we would do them in three hours, right? With beers oh. and pizza and people who had never done design before. But it was right. my way to kind of learn how to facilitate design mm. whilst yeah, also yeah. solving the world's biggest problems mm. um, with a 3D printer generally. Uh, this is about five years ago. It's the Making the, the world a better printers. place. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm. And... Um, but I had, this, I had this moment a couple of years ago where I'd started work in this government organisation and on the first day, you, I don't know if it's like this where you guys are from, but in government organisations your computer doesn't arrive for a week, your permissions don't arrive for two weeks. Uh, so there's a lot of thumb twiddling that goes on. And someone, someone gave me their playbook that they just dropped 50 grand on, right? And it was uh, this mega tome and so i spent the week flicking through this thing and it had you know 20 pages of mindsets another 20 of behaviors It had the glossary that explains what these new words mean instead of using the actual words they should use and um and so i'd, I'd done a bit of this change mm. in trying to embedding embed design practice in organizations and i said oh how are we how are we going to get people in this organization who obviously don't think like designers to think like designers they said oh you know there's a section for that uh, all right. Um, how are we? Um, how are we going to kind of skill them up and give them the kind of um, the right kind of tangible actions to take? Oh, there's a whole section on activities. Oh, all right. Um, how are we gonna? You know, how are we gonna actually improve things and change practice in this organization? Like, Rich, there's 150 pages in this thing. We've got it covered. And I just thought the fact that it was all kind of embedded in this one bible of design. Um, it kind of, that summed up what is wrong with the way we think about best practice, because it is this, uh, finite set collection of ways of working and thinking that can be documented, uh, that doesn't evolve that someone can hand down, you know, an executive tells a consultancy, tells a manager, tells a design team, tells a frontline worker, this is how to do design. And for me, that top-down approach is what's wrong with best practice. I really don't think that we think about it from the user's perspective. And the way I talked about it a couple of weeks ago was best practice is like that looming shadow. Remember Independence Day, how the, the, sh- the ship blocks out the sun and there's all these people sitting there doing their work, working really hard. And we come in from above with this huge thing that we, we think that is going to embed best practice on the organization. Mm. They've got no idea what it is how it works even why they should care and i think that this mindset of embedding best practice which i think is a great term that sums up everything that's wrong um just needs to change
0: but do you at least believe there's positive intent there that people actually do think that there is a way of summing it up so that we can work more effectively or save money whatever they're trying to do with the document
1: Yes. Mm. We, ne- we need line in the sand, yeah. right? When mm. there is nothing, we need a line in the sand so we know where we stand. Mm. But I think the idea of there is a best practice to embed uh, is crazy, you know, for a couple of reasons, right? Mm. We as designers know that it's this like amorphous, evolving collection of skills and mindsets and um, changes in every condition, right? Everything everything you've ever written down about how design works the next time you go to use it, oh, there's a small exception or there's a big exception, it's always changing. Uh, and that's just the set of activities that you know about. So I come from Australia and we have the uh, oldest continuous culture in the world, 50,000 years, of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And there's this huge back catalogue of ways of thinking about how we interact with the world around us. And we as designers, have this back catalogue that goes back maybe 200 years of the way that we design inside organisations. And I think best practice has such a limited scope that really um, we need to to expand our horizons because it's not just about what is working now, but it's about what's worked in the past, what could work in the future. Um, Practice is just, you know, it's a bucket to fill. It's not a thing to define
2: so so can we do we see a difference then between i suppose you know when you grab brass, best practice off the shelf and just steal it from someone else because apparently that's the best thing to do and and then maybe observe best practice where you've monitored how something maybe works in your organization or researched how it would how it is operating in the organization and describe a way of doing that, which could be useful um, to, to, to maintain?
1: Yeah, so I like to think about uh, the ideal world and the reality that we work in. So the ideal world is what we hear about um, when a uh, consultant swans in with a new way of working or thinking uh, or executives have an away day and they come back and they're like, right, we're going to be agile, we're going to be collaborative, Uh, these are the ways that we're going to work and we're all going to thrive. Uh, That's the ideal. And that's great. That's where best practice lives in my mind. But then there's a reality where uh, teams don't collaborate, where um, the mindsets of leaders are kind of solution-led rather than problem-led, where people just don't have the time and the bandwidth to actually employ these new methods. And um, what I like to think about is that where do those two worlds, a bit like a Venn diagram, where do they overlap? Because that overlapping bit, thats a, I call that effective practice, that's the bit where best practice works within the constraints that we have in our world today or in our organisation today. Mm. And so for me, the idea of uh, embedding best practice, a really uplifting practice, is about finding that overlap, that effective practice, And just propagating that throughout the organisation. Because the people who are at the forefront, who do really good work, who know how things work around here, they're always going to be pushing the envelope, always trying new things. That's what designers do. If the rest of the people in the organisation are using stuff that actually works, we're no longer pushing them to try this new approach or, you know, to uh, create or kind of leverage new practice. They're actually just... Uh, finding ways to solve problems that they have with something that's proven to work in the organisation. And so I think effective practice is far stronger than best practice because best practice is expensive, takes change management, uh, doesn't get taken up and pushes things on people, whereas effective practice just helps me solve the problems I have in front of me and do the things I need to do. Uh, And it doesn't have that risk attached. It doesn't have that, um, yeah, I guess that, or the fluff that sits around embedding breast practice in an organization
0: but so then it sounds like the million dollar question is how do you find the
1: overlap so i've been working in new south wales government we uh, have a uh, digital service toolkit which is there to help anyone who's designing and delivering services in new south wales government for our citizens um, to do it effectively efficiently and so what we did is we were looking at ways we could enable people to research, do better research across government. And so first thing we did is when I spoke to people who weren't able to do research for a variety of reasons and understood their kind of behaviours, right, they're they're trying to sell in research to their leaders, they're, um, but not succeeding. They're doing it, but they don't know how to get over those humps, say from findings to insights, or they have opportunities they don't know how to prioritise them. They have questions. They don't know how to ask them to users, and so uh, we saw that there was a need. Right, the people in that in those situations had identified problems that they wanted to overcome. We spoke to their leaders, who talked a lot about delivering. I just want to see progress. I want to see the thing that comes out of each of these different activities. So then we had that tension. Right, people had the um, had the energy to uh, start to do research, but didn't really have the means. We had the leaders who could define quite clearly what they wanted to see as a result. And so then we looking at that tension, we looked at, all right, who are the people that are overcoming these, we call them slices of the design process, how are they overcoming these problems and delivering something that's resonating with leaders? And so really we just uh, spoke to people that kind of had a reputation for doing good design in government. Said so these are the problems of the people who are trying to start and use their research what have you done to alleviate or to get over these humps? Mm. Um, and what does that look like when when you produce the output? And then all of a sudden you've got this kind of these this magic formula for saying, "All right, yes, that's in because that solves a fine slice of the design process. It gives leaders something, uh, and it's proven to work. And you can provide me the context that helps. Um, that's going to help anyone do this thing in the organization.
2: Mm. So that's interesting because like there you've got um it's, it's knowledge sharing i guess is the is the root of what you're describing there that you know this is stuff i've done and this is my experience of when i did it hope this is useful for you and, and i suppose that's quite contrasting to um prescribed dogma where you know you you've got a, a best practice and this is the ultimate whereas you're not really there you're not sharing knowledge there you're not kind of saying this is what i did and hope it's useful for you you're saying I did this, it's correct, you all should do it.
1: Yeah, and someone, I ran an uh, open space workshop and we talked about what is what is best practice and someone had this really interesting response where they said best practice is, uh, is something that we take away from a successful deliverable. So when something succeeds, we go, ah, that's best practice. And then we try and sort of almost retrospectively apply it to our situation um but yeah i guess my thesis is that best practice is anything that helps me make progress in my organization or effective practice rather and so i think for me what's really interesting about it is that if you have effective practice you know if we do best practice Here's how you've got to think. Here's the six steps that you need to take. This is what the deliverable needs to look like. You need to give Mm -hmm. people all those kind of boundaries and constraints and steps along the way in order for them to do the thing right. Uh, Whereas if you take something that's proven to work and give the context of how it works in this organisation, when someone has a problem that that's going to solve, they're very motivated to make it work for them. You're minimising that anxiety of trying something new because it's proven to work around mm. here. Uh, and you're giving them ingredients to adapt it to their context as well. You mm. know, Well, my boss hates journey maps. All right, well, let's find a different way to do it. But these ingredients are the right ingredients for me to do the thing. I'm not mm. going to talk about transformation. I'm going to talk about change because you know, that's what works around here.
0: Well, oh, that's such a good point, just changing the words around because that allows you to avoid these... Uh, Dilemmas where people actually react to the word instead of talking about the topic at hand, uh, which tends to happen a lot. What I'm wary of is that we, we even if you say effective practice, and we're trying to see help people see this is what worked over here in this context, and it may work over here uh, in your context. You think the contexts are pretty similar, but you may have taken the, had the wrong conclusions about what why it worked in the first case, and so you're still giving the wrong recommendations. You, you, there's, the, the bigger perspective is always so hard when you, you're trying to tie it down and it's, it's still a checklist of things to do.
1: Yes, it is. So what, so we produced this, we call it the Activities and Templates Hub because that's what it was. And uh, something that we did is instead of creating a linear process, we had, we just had big buckets, right? Planning research, doing research, using research. Because people have their own content, we have a quadruple diamond in our team. We have a double diamond. We don't talk about design in our team. Mm. It didn't actually matter what um, what what it what design looked like in that team. What mattered was how they were going to use it. And so we have things like uh, turning assumptions into research questions. Uh, you know, mapping actions to impact—really basic stuff. So I think the way that we were. Our, our hypothesis really is that if it's sort of straightforward and simple enough, it's almost a logical thing that you're doing. It's not, um, like I said before, these were the slices of the design process. They weren't, hey, this is how you create a great product. Mm. That's too big and that's too ambitious and that is too contingent on the context that people are working in. So uh, by yeah, by really bringing it down to these are the points where people get stuck and this is the kind of, yeah, the logical steps that are required to get through mm. here and here's a way to do it. I think we, um, we get around the challenge of uh, working in different contexts. Mm. And also this is a government product and the challenges mm. of working in government, mm. even around the world from the other mm. people I've spoken to, you know, solution first design, mm. uh, people not collaborating, you know, knowledge is power. Uh, just show me the thing so I can put it on LinkedIn and impress my colleagues. Like they're true all over the world. So, um, so as long as you're designing with those kind of big, big forces, then you're on a good wicket, I reckon
0: that really resonated with me when you said, uh, because it's really back to basics, uh, uh, that it's, you, you're finding the pain points really what, where do people usually struggle, uh, and addressing those points.
1: Well, it's got to be usable, right? Yeah. People are coming to this new, and I think mm. as designers, we get like we, our heads go up our mm. ass very quickly when it comes to telling people how design works. We just need to chill out a bit and go. Actually, I know enough to take a step back and understand what's really mm. going on here. Now, let's employ all that human centered mm. design I've been working on and think about what's actually going to work for people. I talk about uh, enabling rather than embedding because people are motivated to do stuff. I also talk about uh, process, uh, sorry, uh, progress rather than practice because people don't care about practice, they care about moving forward. And so when we reframe embedding best practice to enabling effective progress, not a sexy phrase, but a useful phrase, when you reframe it like that, it puts you in a user-centric mindset. It reminds you what you actually have to do to uh, you know, propagate effective design practice in an organization.
2: Mm. And I do like this reframing because, well, best practice is, is solution space. I mean, that's, that's you hunting for a solution. Whereas with effective, um, oh, the effective way of working like, talking about is that's reframing it so you're understanding, oh, what, what's the problem? So we can then explore solutions rather than just running straight after one that's been thrown
1: at you. I think one of the challenges is that a lot of a lot of us have done a three-month or a two-week design course and been told that this is the double diamond and this is how it's going to work and this is how it will work for you. Uh, and when you've only got one thing to look at or point to, you know, when there's only one rock to cling on, you're holding mm. on to that rock. And so when the people at the top of the organisation only understand design at that level, then... Um, of course, embedding best practice is a great answer because best practice exists. I learned about it two weeks ago. Let's all do it.
0: (laughs) Do you think there's something to be said about how how junior designers and senior designers approach this differently? Uh, I teach a course at a vocational college and it still surprises me every year that they still quote Jacob Nielsen and, well, people will leave after three seconds if they don't find what they want and, and, and stuff like that. It's just some people just really need the best practice quotations because it helps them feel safe.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we all do, right? And we want to we wanna feel smart when we're feeling vulnerable. And mm. so uh, there's definitely, I'm not saying, well, actually, I, I did a talk that was literally called Death to Best Practice. So um, I do think it kind of needs <laughs> to die. But, um, you know, let's have its photo on the wall mm. when it's gone so that we can, um, you know, so that we do have something to hang on to. Mm.
2: I mean, but the thing is, in, in the business world, I mean, the best practice is kind of, I suppose, the 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 natural state, because you know, organisations will always want to do something the quickest, cheapest way, unless there is some kind of external framework that pulls them back. Whether it's whether it's um, you know, ISO standards or laws, or or incredibly strong culture uh, or defined culture, mm-hmm. those are the things, I guess, that that you know, stop best practice from running away and being. Something really awful or bad or not kind of practical for your organisation.
1: I didn't actually understand the. I don't think it, it wasn't the no. question, Rich. To be honest, okay. I was
2: just reflecting on the um, on the fact that you know runaway organisations. So if you if you kind of just let an organisation drive onwards using. Best practice, as in the quickest and and you know, most prescribed solutions. Then, then it's, it's basically a train going down the track. without you know, that only working bricks. There's um, you know, you've got to pull in other aspects to to restrain an organisation um, to keep it healthy.
1: Mm. Yeah, but I, I I do wonder if organisations that believe there is the way is actually good for designers because when we get handed down the truth and we're a bunch of creative free thinkers who want to try stuff and evolve and change. uh, It actually actually brings our community a bit closer because we have a reason to talk to each other. We have something to push against. And what I think is really nice is Mm. that we have to disprove best practice. We have to go, no, there is a better way. Here's a situation where I'm going to try the thing. I think if you're lucky enough to work in an organisation where people will, let you try new stuff or are open to different approaches on each um project that you work on like you have to use that because that is such a they such an amazing opportunity as a designer and if you don't have it be a deviant be a design rebel and push it a little bit further try new things find little opportunities oh i didn't realize you're coming to the workshop we're doing something totally different today in you come <laughs> let's just try it out mm. um yeah, because that's like that's the fun, exciting bit of design that I think keeps us uh, engaged in the practice side of it. Mm.
0: Totally agree. And, and that's also to the point that you made about stepping back and, and looking at it from another perspective or looking at the bigger picture. Uh, but that's often the things that we aren't allowed to do. Like for me, a big part of design is stepping back and actually taking some time off and away and going for a walk. But, but that's not usually part of design descriptions. The, at work, I mean, the workplaces don't really uh, appreciate you going for that walk uh, in the middle of the afternoon just to work on something. Because Do that's you mean, Per,
2: the, that the, the, the Google Design Sprint doesn't include a two-hour walk through the forest um, as, as a sort of way of formulating your ideas? I have, I have
0: no idea. I've, thankfully, I've never read the, about the Google Design Sprint. <laughs> stayed away from that one. <laughs>
1: I think, I think those walks mm. are good. I was thinking about it today. It's yeah. kind of the way we think about our design practice is often like Lego, right? Or Lego technique, right? Really small, mm. tiny bits and we're tweaking, changing little things. But once you've been in that world for long enough, you can step back and there's actually big blocks of Duplo, mm. right? Which are the way that individuals are motivated, the way that groups work together, mm. the way that diverging and converging actually changes uh, where you go and how you get there. And I think that if you can, yeah, go for the walk, recognize the Duplo, come back in, move that and fiddle with the Lego, then that's actually how, uh, as an individual practitioner, that's how your uh, design practice evolves.
0: And I like taking out the saw and cutting up the pieces and see if we can assemble them in a completely different way. And then there are people who can't afford the Lego, they have to buy the Roblox.
1: Are you also the guy that uh, peels the stickers off the Rubik's Cube?
0: Oh, I, I oh. have done that one. Yeah, yes. I've done that
2: too. Yeah. Best practice the quickest way you can do the Rubik's Cube, just. I actually used to pull them apart and put them back together rather because I didn't like it when the stickers peeled off. So I actually dismantled it and it kind of made them all really weird and loose though. So it, it wasn't a long term solution, but it, it got, to the, got to the goal of delivering a completed cube. Yeah.
0: So what's your message to our listeners, Rich?
1: What should they be doing differently tomorrow?
2: What's your best practice, Rich? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I think at a, all right. So I've got a, a micro and a macro I'll probably a macro and a meta. Um, I think the the macros, if you're in a position of influence where you get to guide the way we work together, that might just be with a client, that might be with juniors, that might be with execs or other teams. Um, try new stuff, let it fail. Because your role, if you know what you're doing, is to bring stuff in and let people try it. I think if you're a junior, just jump in and try a bunch of different stuff. I was talking to someone the other day who said, um, he said, "Oh, what should I do? I'm learning. i work working legal design on the side." He said, oh, "I'm learning law and I'm learning design. Have you got any advice?" And I was like, "Just like, just pick up practice as you go. Don't try and see. Don't have one tool set. Gather what works for you uh, and keep evolving it as you go through your um, through your education because that's actually what works in the real world. And I think that's what junior designers need to do. Uh, the meta advice that I have." is that uh, I don't know the answer. No one knows the answer, right? We're trying to change organisations and individuals and really outcomes for the better, and no one's cracked it. So there's three things you need to do. One, you've got to think deep. Think about what those pieces of Duplo are. Um, Two, you need to give a shit because it is really hard to actually change things at scale. Um, and so if you're not actually committed to improving practice, if that is part of your role, then I don't know, chill out, ask for a different job description because uh, you really need to care about it. And the last one is have fun because it is hard and it's a long, long game to actually change practice in any organization. And so uh, try and have fun and enjoy it because it's a it's a slow pace layer the uh, the mindset change or the practice change in an organization. So uh, experiment, try new things, take design a little less seriously. And I think that'll sustain you and actually deliver better outcomes in the long run. Excellent. That's a good summary to finish off on, Rich.
0: Be- beautiful advice. Yeah.
1: Thanks very much
2: for joining us today. Thank you, Rich. It's been
1: a pleasure, fellas.
2: When listening back to that interview chat with rich i realized that the whole thing with best practice it's it's just a it's like a big onion (laughs) with um we've got layers of best practice it's not it's not just one thing that's best practice i mean i um i went in at the beginning thinking from a perspective of of like interaction design patterns and you know yeah very hands on yeah and and how we're kind of always told to kind of like well what's the best practice way of, of implementing that particular bit of interaction design and you know but at the same time it, these ripples of best practice come through all layers of work um and rich was talking a lot there about the the you know design of design the design practice and best practice for um, managing design in your organization um and that mm. Quite quickly evolves into business design. Of course, how how do you operate your business in the best way possible? Um, exactly. So yeah, we've we've it's layers and layers of best mm. practice. Um, and I I really
0: liked what he said about about language as well, and how because that <laughs> that's sort of related to what you're saying is that it's layers, but it's also so when we say when we use that phrase best practice, what do we even mean? Uh, and that can confuse a lot of people because it sort of implies that there's a limit to how good you can be by being the best. You can't be better than that. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, like we mentioned in the interview, I mean, best practice implies um, an end point. Exactly. It's best. It's not mm. it, oh, it's not better practice or anything like that. It's best. It's a divinif- definitive answer. Um, and that even discourages people to think for themselves because
0: why would they? Because now they found the best solution to something or the best way of doing something or approaching it, then why would they think for themselves? Now it's yeah. done.
2: So that overriding point about avoiding mm. the language of, of, of avoiding the phrase best practice is a healthy mm. one because we, mm. um, we're straight away when we're asking for best practice, we're effectively mm. telling someone, you're not allowed to research this you're not allowed to spend time um, exploring op- options opportunities mm. i want you to go out there and grab something and come back and tell me this is the thing exactly so we're closing doors with the phrase um right and practice. that's
0: sort of what i want to, wanted to get at with the with, with the context that like these ways of working and the standards they like they're like they, they may be the square peg answer to a round hole question but you don't really know that because you're not interested in understanding the question. Yeah. You're interested in the best mm. practice.
2: So yeah, so it's it's business design. We you know how we deal with best practice, how we deal with exploratory work, and and coming to the right conclusion of what's what's the best thing to do in your context. Um, is is challenging? Like I said, mm. businesses businesses generally want to do things cost effectively, um, and time efficiently, um, and. Oh, being ready to fail, taking a step back, um reframing reframing so you, you know, enable effective progress. Um yeah. it's a leaf of it's gonna be a leaf of leap of faith for many organizations.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's it's like we're always looking for this this ultimate tool to to make design less messy. But I think if design isn't messy, it, it risks missing all these very important aspects of both the problem space and the solution space. So we're trying to be more efficient, but instead we become less effective. So, uh, I mean, no, no artifact, no matter how, how, how beautiful or, or well communicated will tell you anything about its efficacy. So you have all these models and checklists and templates and standards. They can, they can be really, truly helpful in starting something, but they're rarely the best place to finish because the problem you are working on is likely very unique.
2: Yes, exactly it's unique Mm. you can you can be inspired you can use Mm. all these examples from Mm. other people's work Mm. to inspire your work but you can't be sure something else is best for you Mm. recommended listening for this show i'm going to suggest episode 224 which is the business value of design which was in
0: person here in stockholm that was a good interview
2: yeah design thinking white matters um, why it's okay not to be perfect the nuances of value creation and overcoming tension and fears in the organization i think there's, i think you can definitely learn or complement this conversation with that conversation remember to keep moving see you on the other side
0: James, when I was a kid, my mother told me I could be anyone I wanted to be.
2: Anyone you wanted to be.
0: Yeah. But as it turns out, identity theft is a crime. <laughs>